want to bring up Pastor Steve, Verlani, and Ori. Come on up. Pastor Steve leads our freedom, our freedom groups. He's also part of our online, not online college, maybe in the future, our college, Church Alive College, where we're equipping people, empowering them in the Word of God. Ori is one of our powerful um, worship leaders and youth leaders. Yes, also an incredible intercessor. We also have Rulani. She leads our Thrive. She also teaches in our evening college. She also teaches many groups transform groups as well. She's everywhere. She's lifting weights on our videos. This is her. This is Rilani. And I'll just say they are ready to bring the heat. They are ready to bring a word from heaven for your world today. So get on the edge of your seat. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are here. I thank you that you are already doing incredible things in this, in this church, in this service. I thank you for Pastor Steve, for Ori and for Verlani, for the word that is brewing in their heart. Lord, I thank you. It is a word in season for your sons and daughters. And I pray, God, that as it is released, it would create the things that heaven called it to create. Break chains, bring hope, and breathe life. In Jesus' name, we give you all the praise and all the glory in a church I said amen come on why don't you stand to your feet as you welcome them up on stage so good so good good to be with you guys this morning you may be seated thank you worship team you guys did can we honor our worship team too because the weekend and week out they do just sort of really stand up job so I have the honor of kicking us off this morning and I want to share with you a message that I am calling Life is About Conquering. Life is about conquering. And when I say that word conquer, I don't know what you think of. I don't know if maybe you think of a movie scene where people were taking over and taking land or something like that. But when I use the word conquer, I'm talking about overcoming something by force. I'm talking about to gain, to win. It's a victory, to surmount to overcome. These are, the, these are the words that are associated with this idea of conquering. And one of the most well-known scriptures, especially when it comes to this idea of being a conqueror, is Romans 8.37. And Paul said this. He said, no, in all these things, and before this, he gave us a nice list of very unpleasant things. Tribulation, distress, persecution, um, famine, nakedness, danger, and sword. He said, no, in all of those things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And we know that. And I want to tell you this morning, everyone is called to conquer something. Every one of you is called to conquer something. So now, in light of Romans 8.37, and in light of this, what happens if you don't feel like a conqueror, how many, I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life where I'm like, I'll let the professionals handle that. I like to stay home. I don't conquer things. We don't challenge things in my family. We don't go there. We just leave things alone, right? What happens if you don't feel like a conqueror? Because Paul said we all are through him who loved us. It's going to be hard to resonate with that idea if you haven't conquered much, if, if growth maybe has been difficult for you in, the, in your life. But when I'm talking about conquering, I'm not just talking about acquiring land. And if you're going around New Jersey on a horse claiming land for yourself, talk to me after service. I'm pretty sure it's illegal. And I'd love to find out more about it. <laughs> but what I'm talking about today when it comes to conquering 
is eradicating the things that are trying to conquer you. I want to look at the person of Gideon in Judges chapter 6. And I want to look at his call. I want to look about what started to happen in his life. And I want to look at it through this lens of us being a conqueror. In Judges chapter 6 verse 11 it starts off saying this. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah. Which belonged to Joash the Abyssalite. While his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him. The Lord is with you O mighty man of valor. That's awesome. An angel of the Lord appears and says, mighty man of valor. But Gideon's not having it. He says to him, uh, <laughs> please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all of this happened to us? Can you sense the sarcasm a little bit here? Oh, God's here. <laughs> why is all this stuff? Where? Where's all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us saying, oh, that's right. Didn't the Lord not bring us up from Egypt? He did, right? <laughs> but now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. Huh. Then the angel of the Lord says to him, Go. In this might of yours, this sassiness of yours, go and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. But then he says this, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, but I'm going to be with you. But I'm going to be with you. And you shall strike the Midianites as one man. One thing to notice about Gideon, Gideon was honest about his doubt. Gideon was honest. He's like, look, you're telling me that you're good. I've had my forefathers telling me all of this wild stuff about Egypt. I'm not seeing it. Because Midian is here right now. I'm trying to hide all of my wheat because they're going to come and take everything. And you're coming here telling me how strong I am? And then he says, and on top of that, because I'm not so sure that God is good, you're calling me mighty man of valor? Do you know who you're talking to? Do you understand that? You're talking to the guy. There's a tribe, God. And in this tribe, there's clans. And we're the weakest clan. And if you look in my clan, I'm the weakest dude. You got the wrong guy. But Gideon was honest about it. And I have to be honest with you. We do not do ourselves any favors when we are not honest in this area of our walk. When we try to just brush aside doubt, when we try to brush aside that feeling like, Lord, I've been praying for something and I haven't seen a change, what is going on? When we don't have the honest conversation with God, it can start to become toxic inside of us. But we need to get out in the open. This is the problems that I'm seeing in what's going on around me. And Lord, this is kind of some of the stuff I see in me. I don't think I'm good. Has anyone ever felt disqualified in your life? Yes. But what we have to do is we have to bring it to the Lord and interact with him about it. Pastor Miriam said during first service, during prayers and praises, we need to doubt our doubts. Because look, we need to be aware that when I have doubts, it's a legitimate feeling, but it doesn't mean it's true. And when I bring it to the truth, when I bring it to the one who is truth, it is the substance of who he is, I can evaluate what I'm feeling in light of the truth that I know. Right after this, Gideon brought a sacrifice and the Lord consumed it and he realized that it was God. So Gideon went from doubt to praise. Notice that. He said, hey, wait a minute. I'm telling you this stuff, but now you're telling me, almighty man of valor. And he leans in and he receives something. But later that night, the Lord appears to him and he says to him, you are going to go and there is an altar in town. And you are going to go and you are going to tear down 
the altar to this God that your father and all the men in the town worship. You are going to tear down that altar and you're going to build a new one and you are going to sacrifice to me on top of that stuff. In verse 27, it says this. So Gideon took 10 men of his servants and he did as the Lord had told him, obedient. But because he was too afraid of his family and the men in the town to do it by day, he did it by night. The other thing to know about Gideon is that he was determined to be obedient even while he was in fear. There's going to be stuff that you have to challenge in your world that has been in your family for generations that you have to say no to. There is going to be things that you have done in your life that you have to turn around. And even if it's scary to let it go, we are an amazing thing, human beings, because we hold on to things that hurt because we're simply too scared to find out what life's like without them. That's why we go back to addictions. That's why we go back to poor relationships. It's because I'd rather hurt sometimes than get out and break free from it. If you're going to conquer, you have to be obedient to what God says, even if you're scared. Even if it means giving up something that's important to you. Even if it means, but I think this is how I am. If I have to put it in the light of scripture and I know that that's not true, even if I'm scared, I got to get rid of it. He had to confront his past and his family baggage in order to become great. And what I love about this is that you notice he did it at night because he was terrified of what the men were going to do. And the men wake up the next day and they're like, we're going to find this guy because this God, Baal and Asherah, they're the ones that are helping us. This was the mentality. So you destroyed the God that we worship, his, his place, his altar, we're going to kill you. He did it at night because he was scared of what his father would do. And notice, when he was obedient to what God had told him to do, all of a sudden, he had the assurance of his father. Judges 6, verse 31, it says, But Joash, his father, said to all who stood against him, all, everybody figured out who it was, they wanted to kill Gideon, and now it says, Will you contend for Baal, or will you save him? Whoever contends for him will be put to death by morning. If he is a god, let him defend for himself, because his altar has been broken down. You see, the thing that Gideon was scared about, God took care of. And when Gideon was obedient, he had the backing of his father. When you are obedient, even if it's not by the world standards, even if your family thinks you're crazy, when you are obedient to what the word of God says, you have the backing of your heavenly father behind you. When we are honest with God, we create a fertile ground for him to work. When we confront ourselves, when we confront our past and we confront our fears, it allows faith to blossom in us. Because look at what happens. Judges 6, 33 to 35. It says this. Now all of the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east came together. And they crossed the Jordan and encamped in the Valley of Jezreel. That's a problem because that's everyone that's Israel's problem right now. All is one ready to strike. And it says this. But the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. And he sounded the trumpet, and the Abizarites were called out to follow him. That's his father's family. And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, and they too were called out to follow him. And he sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, and they went up to meet him. The same guy who yesterday said, I am the weakest of the weak. Why are you even talking to me? When he was honest about his doubts, when he brought his doubt into worship, and when he was determined to be obedient, even when he was scared, the power of God came on him to be everything that he was called to be. And I believe in our life, we are meant to conquer. You are meant to conquer in your world.
And it's kind of crazy. We did not prepare our messages really in concert with one another. We, we kind of just did it. And I am just truly astounded at how what Ori and Verlani are going to bring to you next are really a practical way of implementing some of the stuff that I talked about in terms of life is about conquering things. So I hope you're excited. I hope you continue leaning in because Ori has some really good stuff for us. Thank you, Pastor Steve. Come on, let's give it up for Pastor Steve. Such a good word. Thank you for that. Good morning, everybody. Um, just get myself set up, sorry. Um, my name is Ori. If you guys don't know me, I am a worship leader here at Church Alive. I also serve at Fearless or Youth Ministry. And I've been coming to church for about 13 years now. And I actually got saved here. I began my relationship with God here. And um, one of the things that I've experienced and continue to experience is change, right? When you become a Christian, hate to break it to you, but you're going to experience change. And it's change for the better. It's kind of like what Pastor Steve is saying, it's changed to conquer, it's changed to be strong women and men of God. And for me, one of the things that I had to change was my mindset. Another thing I had to change was the music that I listened to. And as a worship leader, you have to be very careful with what you put in because what you put in is what you put out. And it would be very terrible if I were to put out some of the things I used to listen to. So I found that I needed to change that. And thank God that I did because what I learned is that It wasn't about the style of music that I was listening to. It wasn't about the genre of music, but the words that I would sing. Um, Some of them were toxic. Some of them I had to really pause and consider what is the message. I think sometimes it's so easy to get caught up in a beat of a song or... um, even the melody, the way that it makes you move, whatever. But then it's like, what is that person trying to get me to do? What are they trying to get me to believe? And I had to really be mindful of that and bring it before God. I had to literally bring my entire life before God and say, Lord, prune me. And that's hard, right? That's hard when you get to a place of surrender and saying, God, use me. But then God's going to snip branches and he's going to say, well, you know, you have to let go of this and you have to let go of that. And today I want to talk to you along the thought of life is a sacrifice, but I want to talk about it, about it more along the lines of not necessarily um, the things that you're going to give up, but your life that you're going to lay down before Christ. And when we talk about sacrifice, I know a lot of times we think about Jesus and his ultimate sacrifice and what he did for us was the best sacrifice out there. It really is. And before I, I go into um, what he did for us, I want to read Romans 12, verse 1. Romans 12 is um, our passage of scripture for today. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. The Apostle Paul is saying in this passage of scripture to bring your life before God. Let it be an offering. Let everything that you do be something that is pleasing to God. Going back to Jesus, when he was here on this earth, everything that he did was according to the will of the Father. It wasn't out of selfish ambition. It wasn't out of temptation. It wasn't out of fear, but it was literally according to the will of the Father. And it pleased God that Jesus followed his way like that. And that's exactly what Paul is, is asking us to do here. When Jesus came, he fed people. He met with people who didn't like him. 
He talked with them and taught them the way to go. He dined with sinners. He was obedient. He got baptized even when he was not a sinner. He lived his life in a way that was an offering to God. And today I want to encourage you guys that we ought to live our lives in a way that is an offering to God. The same passage of scripture, Romans 12, in the message translation, breaks it down really well. It says, so here, here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. So it's taking your everyday life, right? The, the simple things that you do, whether it's leading at work, whether it's leading your family, Paul encourages us to use our gifts. He says that we all have a gift. And you may question, what is my gift? Ask the Lord, right? He's gonna show you, even in passage of scripture, he says that we all have a different gift. He said, if you have the gift of prophecy, then speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If you have a gift of serving, then do it well. If you have the gift of teaching, then teach well. If you have the gift of encouragement, be that person that's going to uplift other people. Don't hold back. Don't shrink back. If you have the gift of giving, then give generously. Don't do it grudgingly. Don't do it for attention. But do it in a way because God sees, right? He knows our heart. If you have the gift of leadership, then take that responsibility seriously. When people look up to you, whether it's in, at work, whether it's in your family, whether it's here at church, that's a big responsibility. God has entrusted that to you. Take that seriously. If it's in showing kindness, do it gladly. Do it so people see the love of the Father in you. He continues to say in the rest of Romans 2, he says, let God transform the way that you think. It's a passage of scripture that we say over and over. Do not conform to the things of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But the NLT translation says, let God transform the way that you think. And I love this one because the first two words, let God, is an act of surrender. You have to literally go before him and let God transform the way you think, the, the way you might think about a certain person, the way you might think about certain situations. Like I said, when I became a Christian, I had to change my perspective on a lot of things. Be patient in your seasons. Love and honor people, people that you may not necessarily agree with. Keep on praying for them. Keep on praying for your enemies. It says here to pray for your enemies. Paul is saying that when you meet with people that you don't necessarily agree with, you have to put on love, right? It's the love of the Father because God sees the heart. Put on love. Feed people that you may not necessarily want to feed, that people that you don't know. Open up your hearts to them. Open up your homes to them. Practice hospitality. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13 that when we practice hospitality, we never know that we might be entertaining angels. The Lord sees he says, don't be too proud. Don't be too goody-goody that you don't enjoy the company of ordinary people. I love this one because I think sometimes when we become Christians, we, we classify ourselves different, which we are from the world, right? But then we refrain from hanging out with certain people, not because... Um, 
Not because they're going to influence us in a sense, but more because we think that we're so much better than them. And here's, here's the fine line. You, you have to know that if I'm hanging out with these people, I'm going to influence them. They're not going to influence me. And you have to be willing to put yourself out there to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Because how will they ever know the message if we don't step out? How will they ever know the love of God if we don't put ourselves in their company? So don't ever think too highly of yourself that you no longer enjoy the company of ordinary people. That's what Paul says also in Romans 2. And he says, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Value what is good. Life is a sacrifice. None of these things will come easy to us. That's why in the message translation, Paul says, let God God helping you. It is a, a moment of surrender. It is a moment of posturing yourself before God and saying, Lord, I don't like this person right now. Help me. Help me to love them the way that you will love them. Lord, I have prayed for this. I am waiting. Help me to be patient. It's asking him to, to cleanse you from the inside out. There's a song that we actually sang today. I love this song. It's called Have My Heart by Maverick City Music. It is such a beautiful picture of living sacrifice, of our lives as a, as a living sacrifice. It says, if you want my heart, you've got it. If you want my plans, you've got it. If you want my dreams, you've got it. It's, it's, a, it's a matter of surrendering everything to God and saying, God, use me. If you want my time, you've got it. If you want my yes, if you want my no, you've got it. There is nothing I will withhold from you. You've got it, you've got it, you've got it. And I want to encourage you guys today to get to that position of saying, God, have it all. It's yours anyway. Use me as your vessel. Use me as your child. Use me as the speaker that I am. Use me as the mom that I am. Use me as the dad as I am. Whatever it is that you are, make sure that you are able to go before God and ask him to use you because he will use you in a way that you will never ever imagine because God sees far beyond that what we can see. He sees far beyond what we can see. And he loves us. Our life is meant to be a living sacrifice. When Jesus died on that cross, it was a sacrifice that none of us could ever pay. It, it was a moment of saying, I love the world. I love these people so much that I'm willing to die. I'm willing to lay down my life for them. And that sacrifice will never be asked of us because Jesus already did it. But what God is asking us is to present your life before me and let me use you for my glory, for good. Life is a sacrifice. Amen. Amen. So good. Woo. Yeah. All righty, guys. As we wrap this up. Hey, my name is Verlani. Uh, it is an honor uh, to be here to share with you. Um, I'm originally, a little bit about me, I'm originally from Miami, Florida, and I've been living here in New Jersey for about 10 years now and been part of this house for about seven, and it has been quite the journey. And so even now, I just want us to take a moment uh, to honor our senior pastors, Pastor Miriam and Anthony Fleming. Yes, can we give it up for them? Yes, woo, love them. Thank you. <laughs> I, yeah, I love you guys so much. Um, so um, 
something I normally share with the women of the house and I just felt like I needed to share with everyone, which is a little uncomfortable for me because it's always about what God is teaching me. Um, and so I hope that it blesses you. And if nothing else, for some of the guys in the house, believe me, I was up watching the NFL draft and I'm super excited about football. I'm counting down to days. So we can have, totally have that conversation after service as well. <laughs> so with that being said, I really felt like 2020, God was teaching me to rest in Jesus, to rest in him. Um, and I feeling, and now in 2021, he's asking me to remain in him, referring to John 15, which we'll read in just a second. And so I want to ask us this morning, um, man, what do you do when you feel like things are changing, but you're in the same environment? You know, you're at the same job with the same position, but you sense that something is changing. You may be in the same house with your spouse and your kids, and you just sense that something is different. Maybe you've been at church alive for a while or big church, you've been in church your whole life, and you just sense that something is is changing. You know, Pastor Miriam said something a couple weeks ago that still sits in my heart. She said that the ground is beginning to shake uh, in our lives. And I really feel the vibrations of some of the things that are happening individually for us, that something is shifting. And so I want to tell you today that it's a sign. It's a sign. You're, you're in process. Yes. Uh, uh, I had to tell my, I had to encourage myself because when God said process, I was like, process? I felt like Alan Iverson. I was like, practice? Um, <laughs> so, you know, if you hear nothing else from this message, man, catch this. Don't resist process. Embrace it. Um, and if you're taking notes, the title of this message is Life is a Process. Embrace it. But how do we do that? How do we embrace process in our lives? And we're going to take a, a passage of scripture here in John 15. It tells us, this is Jesus speaking, and he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. And while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine and neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. If we are going to embrace process, I find that process triggers resistance. And so because of that, we need to be aware of maybe some things that we are resisting. Um, and so as we kind of go through some of these things, I hope that one of these uh, aspects of maybe in our areas of our lives where we're in process, we may be resistant to. And uh, Ori and Pastor Steve touched a few of these, so hopefully we'll seal it <laughs> by the end today. Hey, so number one, uh, if we're going to embrace process in our lives, don't resist surrender. Yeah. 
Don't resist it. Something Pastor Anthony said at the start of this series, he said, the lifestyle of a Christian is your kingdom come. And for some of the Catholics here in the room, you're already saying the Lord's prayer. Uh, so I'm good. You're glad you know your Bible. But this is the part. Your kingdom come is an invitation to surrender. Your kingdom come is part of the Lord's prayer, but it's inviting God's way, his principles in our life. Verse two in chapter 15 tells us that we are part of the vine, right? We're connected to the vine and we are a branch. God the Father is the gardener. And he says that there's a difference. There is a difference between what God cuts in our lives and what he prunes. And so we must know the difference because Pruning is a byproduct of our surrender. I cannot stay close to Jesus and not change, right? And so 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18 tells us, for our present troubles are small and won't last long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look to the troubles we see, we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that we cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Can I encourage you to stop looking at the trouble? Uh, can we stop fixing our gaze on the emotion we feel when change is coming, when the vibrations of the ground are starting to shake? We must focus and fix our eyes on the thing that is being produced, right? When we're being pruned, when things are being cut out of our lives, focus on what is coming because it is good. He is God the Father. I believe with all my heart that a life of surrender, a life that embraces process will live. First Peter 5 10 out and it says and after you've suffered a little while the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore confirm strengthen and establish you know that God is doing a good work in you and I want to tell you that if you allow the process to do the work God will confirm everything that he made uncertain before man God will do some amazing things in your life. Number two, if we're going to embrace process in our lives, then we cannot be resistant. So don't resist the word. Don't resist the word. I'm thankful for the word. It cleanses us. It refines us. It removes the impurities in our soul. And I just want to tell us in Hebrews chapter four, verse 12, and just summarizing it, but it tells us that the word is alive. It's powerful, but it exposes our innermost thoughts um, it exposes our desires. And so don't, don't withhold, as Ori said, man, lay it. Let the word do its work. I want to tell someone that process hurts, but stay. That process is uncomfortable, but remain. Let this be a reminder, man. Process, if you let it do its work, it's not about a place. It's not about an environment. It is about a person and his name is Jesus. Let him draw you close to him. Now, lastly, um, and I love this, hey, if we're gonna embrace process in our lives, don't resist patience. Don't resist patience. You know, if we're gonna stay connected, if we're gonna remain in the vine to produce fruit, that is the point. The point is that we're producing something. And, but know that fruit doesn't grow overnight. 
And so our role as a branch in this illustration requires patience. It requires endurance to stay through the process. Reality is we cannot get to the promise of God without process. Actually, it is the process that makes the promise worth it. Pastor Jesse Eisenhart said this years ago, and it's just stayed with me. He says, patience is not about waiting for what you want, but it is about dealing with what you do not have. How well do you wait? Because waiting isn't passive. Endurance isn't passive. Patience isn't passive. It's progressive. Hebrews 10, 35 through 36 tells us, do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings to you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that has been promised. James 1 verse 3 and 4 tells us this, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. The reward for process is receiving God's promise. The reward for process is growth. The reward for process is wholeness, you know? And there are areas in our lives that don't change in an instant. And so we must be people who remain, who endure. And why is this so important? Why? Why am I saying this? Because the reality is process isn't the final destination. It's just a stage. We're passing through, right? So don't abort the stage. Don't give up. Don't die here. You're not meant to quit in this stage. Get through. Philippians 1.6 tells us this. Be confident of this. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion to the day that Christ Jesus. Let it work. Let the good work that it started in you, that started I just want to remind us again, stay connected. Oh, but I know some of us here just feel that are just a little bit off, man. They've disconnected somewhere along the journey. And I just want to tell you that life is better with Jesus and not because we don't experience bad things, but because we have him. So man, if in this moment, this message resonated with you, it would be the honor of my life to invite you to get connected again to Jesus, to either start that journey or to come back to him. Yeah, I just hope that, um, man, even in a couple weeks, we're starting our transform groups and I wanna tell you to join them because process is celebrated here at our church. We wanna celebrate the process in your life. God is doing something in each and every one of you that we wanna celebrate you. So, hey, with me, let's get together. Let's pray. Fine, with every eye closed and every head bowed, if you find yourself just disconnected and wanna connect again or start this journey with Jesus, let's repeat this prayer as a church family after me. Let's say, Jesus, Thank you 
for loving me. Thank you for being the true vine. Today, I surrender my whole life. Please forgive me. Today, I believe that Jesus, you died on the cross and rose from the dead for me. So I ask, be the Lord of my life for all of my life. Amen. And with every eye closed, if that was you today, would you raise your hand for me? If you said that prayer for the first time, I see that, I see that hand, I see that, I see that hand, I see that, I see that group right there. I see that. Yes, keep it up. Yes, yes, I see that. Thank you so much. All right, and we'll just pray. Father, we thank you for every hand, every heart, every family represented today. We thank you and we love you and we cannot thank you enough for the good work you see started today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we stand to our feet? Can we put our hands together for our amazing leaders who brought the Word of God today? That was awesome. Also, for every single person who made a decision today to place their faith in Jesus and to give your life to Jesus, we celebrate you, we honor you, and we have a gift for you, whether you're in person or online. If you're here today, you can stop in at our Next Steps Lounge or Next Steps Counter right out through those doors. We have this gift right here, a book. We want to resource you following Jesus. If you're online, you can text CONNECT7 to 97000. We'll mail this to you. Hey, we'll be back here next week, Mother's Day. I'll be preaching next Sunday. Can't wait to be here with you guys. God bless you. We love you. Hey guys, don't forget to buy your mom a present. That's for free. Go have a wonderful Sunday. God bless you.